Nice to see everybody out this morning. It came to me again when we're singing that song how all the years I've taken this position it seems like so many times the songs that are chosen go with the text and we could call it a miracle but it's the way God has has provided us and, and this word ties together all, all the way through no no man has ever been able to write a book like this one that we have in front of us it's an inspired word one of the I can't remember which one of the prophets says how he was he was by the river Shebar and, and these visions came to him and way back in my single days there was 18 of us bachelors living in the same house and and sometimes we have visiting ministers and services and not all these men were of, of our faith and understanding but one time this fella came to the service and and asked me after the service we talked and, and he asked me how, how is it that well we I don't remember the words but but how is it that you people are drawn together like this and and I said to him that this this word is a it's a special word and and I and I quoted that I looked that up and and how that how that prophet was to, was inspired to write what he write, wrote he didn't he didn't just go sit under a tree and and dream of something some story to write this word all ties together and it it all ties us to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and as as we know that that it would be God's greatest desire and our greatest desire that that we would keep Jesus Christ a centerpiece in our faith and in our life. For a text, I'll read, I'll read from the sixth chapter of John, and I was wondering if I've taken this recently, but my wife assured me it was okay, even if it's a second time around. Sixth chapter of John, I'll read from the 30th verse through to the 40th, reading these words in Jesus' name. They said therefore unto him, What sign shewest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What, what dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and, and believe not. All that the Father hath given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I, will, for I came down from heaven, and do not... Pardon me. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him 
may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be multiplied to each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. Jesus had, prior to this text I read, he had performed two miracles. He had fed that great number of people. There was, I believe it's the, the one, there was, there was the lad that had, it was quite a few people, thousands, and, and this lad had some fish and, and some bread. Where is it here? There is a lad which, with, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Jesus had, had blessed those things and multiplied them so that every, everyone had lots to eat. And then, then the, the second miracle is when he walks on the water. And, and of course, it says that they were afraid. The sea rose by reason of a great wind. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship. And they were afraid, but he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. We, with our natural understanding, couldn't comprehend that any better than the disciples or those few that were in that boat. It says, Then they, re- then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. So, so he calmed the storm. It, it, isn't, it isn't put that way that that he calmed the storm, but it says that the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So, and and that and the the stormy sea is depicted in the scriptures as as mankind, this sea of people that spread across the face of the earth. And and if we look to them, all we see is is storm and terrible waves about us. Then we see Jesus coming, and we're 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 not familiar with that it's not something that's common or that we see every day and, and we instead of knowing and, and seeing all all that is there we we become afraid but he calms the sea he calms people he calms that throng of people that that can be so appearing like a boisterous sea so just before this then Jesus says to these people, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles. So there were miracles they witnessed here. And many people saw them, but he says, You seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. So because because of their their being looked after the thousands that had that had eaten of these loaves and fishes they they were filled they they had they had all they wanted for food there and he says that you seek me not because of of something deeper he's he's trying to say look look into this deeper this this is a this is a great miracle but look look at the depth of it so then he says, labor not for the meat which perisheth. The, the physical the physical bread and, 
and fish that they'd received, it, it's only good for maybe the day. And in the morning they'll be hungry again, physically speaking. But Jesus says, labor not for the meat which perisheth. Don't, don't spend time in, in these things that are passing in this world. And, and we sang that song, if I gained the world but lost the Savior. That's how I say it. it ties into this text. Because these people were doing that. They were, they were following Jesus or going, spending time with Him and going after Him because, because they were physically fed. And Jesus says, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for Him hath the Father sealed. Jesus positioned was to come to this earth and we, we could say he had the seal of the Father. He had that that blessing his, his heavenly Father had given him I believe since the beginning of time. But he was sent into this world as I've, as I've said before probably many times that how he came to this world the same way you and I did. Born of a a natural woman in a natural way, in a very, very mean and humble beginnings in a stable. And and we might we might try and romanticize the stable even and say that everything was clean, but it might not have been. You know that stables lots of times don't get cleaned like they should. And on the spur of the moment this father and mother had to find a place where this baby could be born there was no room in the inn so that's that's the kind of conditions Jesus came into this world God God sent his son into this world in a we might say an unbelievable way that we would think he would be sent into some palace in pomp and glory or he would he would just come come out of the heavens in a miraculous way so that Everyone would know and see and understand that this is an unbelievable thing. No, he comes born of the Virgin Mary, probably wondered why it had to be that way, his parents. But he came here for you and I. He came to, he came to change the world. Then these people say unto him, and I remember Dick quoting this so often, these people say, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Their, their minds and their ambitions are that way that we would want to work the works of God. What can we do? Can we, can we do something? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. And I've said how how when Jesus came into this world, there were those that were unbelievers. It wasn't very, very long and they found him offensive. But the believers had waited. As the Christmas song says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. He... He enlivens our souls. He enlivens our consciences and our understanding. And we realize who He is and what He is. And this is the Son of God. Jesus 
came into an inhospitable world as far as the unbelieving world is, is concerned. And, and this work that, Je- that, that Jesus tells them to do isn't something we can take a course in and learn how to do this or, or gain some understanding or read a book or, or anything like that. Or we can't go to the store and buy it. Believe on him whom he has sent. Believe on the Son of God whom, whom God has sent into this world. God is able to change hearts. He's able to influence lives and change hearts and give us faith to believe. We can encourage, we can, we can command someone to believe. We can, we can comfort them and, and as I say, encourage them to believe, but we can't give them that. But this word promises that if, if we come in a broken and a contrite heart and spirit, we will be looked after. We will, we will be provided for. There, there's, it's, it's, it's more than written in stone, let's say. So these people, when Jesus says this, and that's where this text starts that I read, they said therefore unto him, What sign shewest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? So they want a sign. Apparently it looks like they are of that understanding that I just said. You can't you can't go buy it or you can't go and, and work it work it off or on or whatever you might want to say. But they say, show us, a, show us a sign that we could believe. And, and they, they go back to Moses' time and teachings. They were, they were followers of Moses. Our fathers, in fact, there were some that said they were followers of Moses and they weren't. Because Jesus says, if, if you were followers of Moses and Abraham, you would, you would be following me also. And, and they weren't. But they said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. We, we run into this over and over and over again, countless times through the scripture, where we have the, the understanding of man conflicting with the wisdom of God and the understanding of God and what he's trying to tell us and teach us. And, and that's why the disciples asked Jesus that, how is it, or why is it that you speak in parables so much? And and it's because he takes things that we are familiar with, our everyday life, and he, he shows us the deeper meaning through these things. Even as as I've quoted this so many times, how how Jesus says, there's times when he says that his time is not yet come. But after he comes into Jerusalem, riding on that foal of an ass, then he says, the hour is come that the Son of Man must be glorified. The time is come. And, and we can, we can use a natural thing there to, to learn a spiritual thing in, in that even with our little grandson coming along here, the time comes when the baby is going to come. And we wait and we anticipate and we think it was going to be a certain day, and then we we say, well, maybe we're wrong on our dates, and, and the baby comes when he's going to come. And and Jesus says here, the hour is come now. 
before he said in different places that his time has not yet come, that the Son of Man would be glorified. We look at we look at the Easter story and as, as especially the the when he enters into the Garden of Gethsemane and, and even the Passover supper, and to me it looks pretty gloomy. And we wonder at that point. Of course, we know the whole story, but we wonder then what's going to be the outcome. But Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And those of us that have been familiar with farming, I'm not an expert in the business, but you think of the countless, countless millions and billions of seeds that go into the ground in the farming industry just in our, say, our prairie provinces. There's no, no man could count the number of seeds. Each one falls into the ground and dies in order to bring forth fruit. The seed itself dies. That's what Jesus says. And Jesus likens himself to that corn of wheat. Except it fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. It's a, it's a dormant seed. It doesn't produce anything until it dies. And then it says, he, he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Same thing he says a little later in the Garden of Gethsemane. If there's any other way, Father, let it be that way. Some have have said that, that he didn't have that much suffering, that he, he just suffered the, the rebuke and the mockery of men, and, and they put the crown on his head. And he suffered these physical things and, and he, well, you get the feeling that he just breezed his way through it. The scriptures don't say that. Here he is a week or so before it takes place and he says, Father, save me from this hour. Even though he is God and he is man, he feared and he trembled at thinking what he would have to go through and endure. But we know he did it willingly. But for this cause came I into, unto this hour. This is why I'm here. Save me from this hour. And we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will, but thy will be done. And the will of the Father is that he would go through with this. So then he cries out, Father, glorify thy name. In that high priestly prayer, he says the same thing. Glorify thy name. Glorify my name, that I may glorify your name. And he goes back and forth like that. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. We know that in the, in the time when the children of Israel traveled in those mountainous desert countries and areas for 40 years that this manna came down. And it was 
there was a picture of things to come, that so many things are. But Jesus differentiates between this manna and the living bread which came down from heaven. Even though it's a picture of of an eternal food that they could eat, we know that their shoes didn't wear out and their clothes didn't wear out and they were fed and provided for. And even when they complained that this manna wasn't good enough, he gave them meat then. And he, he looked after them completely. But Jesus says, this provided for the natural man. And we know that it's a picture of, of a spiritual food. But it wasn't the food itself. Jesus explains here, I am the food. I am, I am the true food. I am the true bread. My Father giveth you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. We think of the natural world, and I, and I thought of this at different times, how, how if the sun was, was taken away. And we know that men measure temperatures and things like this and they they seem to think they know that that the temperature on Mars is this and the temperature on Venus is this such and such well we go from hundreds of degrees below to hundreds of degrees above freezing and 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 we even look at those numbers and we're astonished if if there's truth to it and I guess the, the, even the physical features of the, of this sun that's burning out there, they estimate or they think, maybe they know, that the flames coming off the sun are 80,000 miles high. What kind of a, a ball of energy is that that's burning away there? But if the sun was taken away, it would only be minutes. And life would be snuffed out in this earth. We might be able to put a, put a natural gas furnace on for a little bit, but then the electricity would fail. That's the natural side. Jesus says he came down from heaven and he gives life to the world. So these people in there, we might say they're lack of understanding but possibly they've gained a little bit of understanding they say Lord evermore give us this bread we want this bread that comes down from heaven this bread that that feeds us it feeds the new man it, it's not feeding us as, as most of us will go and have lunch later today after this service it's not feeding us that way. It feeds the new man. It gives us understanding. It gives us hope. The word teaches us in <coughs> in many <coughs> excuse me in many places how, as Brother Carl Judy used to say, there's a, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And people make jokes about this. It's not a joking matter. I don't mind having a laugh about things. But that is not a joking matter. These people are saying evermore, 
or from here on, from here to the end, give us this bread. I don't know if they really understood. I'm not here to say they did or didn't. But if they really understood what Jesus was saying, but Jesus explains it a little further. I am the bread of life. And in, in, in the last, well, not even the last, but more, 48th verse anyways, he says, I am that bread of life. Again, he says the same thing. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. That's what he tells the woman at the well. There's, there's, a, there's a water in this well of Abraham. And Jesus even says, give me to drink. He, t- he tells the woman to draw some water for him, some natural water, and give him to drink. There again, a little parable. But he says, I have water for you that if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. Even our natural understanding might say, well, let's, let's, let's have some of that water and we, we won't have to worry about ever being thirsty again. That's our natural understanding. Even with the statement Jesus makes, it's not what he was talking about. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. That's where I, I get the idea. They didn't quite understand what they were saying. They didn't say a bad thing. And Jesus can give us depth of understanding, even if we ask him a, a question that might sound foolish or is foolish. He'll bear with us. He'll work us through and, and so that we can understand. I, I've said of this drought, and I said to Beth the other day, I, I hope because it's, it's frustrating to me. And I said the other day that I hope God can show me something through this and that I wouldn't just be just be frustrated and leave it there maybe there's something we can learn from this we know that back in the time of Elijah when he was he was given that that understanding that he would pray and he being a man of God God answered his prayer that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years and I'm sure there were many things that were learned. We know the, the, the great story we think of is when, when, he, when he tried those prophets of Baal and put them to that test. And then he slew those prophets, some 900 and some prophets of Baal he slew. Because it says when, when, when he put his sacrifice out that fire came down from heaven. Well, first of all, they put their sacrifices out. And they cried and wailed and cut themselves. And we know that, that heathen people, and I, I'm not looking down on them that way, they don't, they don't know. But they did all kinds of things and even mocks them and says, well, maybe your God is on a journey and he's off doing something else and he can't hear you. And we know the story how nothing happened. Nothing. The whole situation just was a flop. And then Elijah sets up that altar and he 
butchered these animals and put out his meat for sacrifices and did these things. And then he had the, he had the people pour, dig a ditch around the altar and pour it full of water and pour the altar cover with water. And fire came down from heaven and licked it all up. Even, even I don't know how many people, but, but these people said, this, this is the living God that can work like that. It's interesting how, how that fire, when, when John the Baptist said about his, his water baptism, he says, I baptize with water, but there comes one after me who will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That's the living God. He, that's how he works. He works with power. Jesus says that the, these people have seen him and they, they still don't believe. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Remember, this is all in answer to this question that he said, what does, the people said, what is it that you work? What kind of a work do you do? First, they want to know what kind of a work they could do. And he says, believe on on me. And then it says, what kind of a work do you do? What dost thou work? And this is an answer to, to what he works. All that the Father giveth, giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. There are, there are people who we might think that, that they've been cast out. Jesus does not cast out anyone. Jesus does not break up anyone's marriage or life or, or destroy anything. He builds. He says, I will not cast out. Unbelief casts out. For I came down from, from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. There's, there's two wills spoken of. I didn't come here to do my own will. I want to do the will, and I will do, and he did do, the will of the Heavenly Father. And this is the Father, Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. When... When we come to him with a broken and a contrite heart and spirit, meaning that we have a desire that God has given us. not we, have, we didn't muster up this desire of ourselves. We have a desire to do his will. We have a desire to follow him. We have a desire to get to heaven on his terms. He's not going to cast us out. It's an assurance we can, we can rest on. We can have joy in. We can have peace in that. That thought that heaven heaven waits for me. He says, that, all, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So he's talking about the work. And then I'm going to go to the 51st 
verse there. Fiftieth. Well, I'll start at the forty-eighth, which I which I repeated already. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. They ate the manna. They physically died. But it was a picture and a foretaste of Christ to come. Even though it was a physical thing. He's speaking of himself. This is a bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. He gives us eternal life. Gives us hope of eternal life. He gives us that gift that only God can give that we are able to believe. I am the living bread bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus had to die. That's, That's what he's talking about when he says, I will give my flesh. He died on the cross. And as we sing in the song, in anguish, in pain. And we know that when the soldiers went to break his legs, he was already dead. He gave up the ghost. He finished the work. I believe at that point, and I don't know if we can put a, a, a time thing on it, but I do believe that the battle was fought at that point. All of that, all that is wrong and evil, fought against all that is right. And we read in Revelations, I believe that's the battle that's spoken of. That Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels. And it says that Michael and his angels prevailed. They won the battle. They won this fight. Jesus won the fight. Jesus fought all that is wrong, all that is darkness, all unbelief, all sin, all these things. And he won victory over these things. We believe in him and we have victory over these things. When we're able to put away something, when we're able to make things right with someone. I'm here to say, through experience and and others' experiences, that there is no power on earth that brings man to do that, except the power of of this Word and the leading of the Holy Spirit and and believing in what Jesus has done. So so in, in... these things we've gone over, we see. We answer that question these people asked. What dost thou work? This is the work that he has accomplished. He accomplished that that the Father sent him to this world. And we think of the all the miracles and all the time he spent the children on his knee, the, the teachings that, that he, would, he would gather his people, meaning the Jews at that point, 
under his wings as a hen gathers her little chicks, and they didn't want anything to do with it. The calming of the seas, the the miracles, the the giving of sight to the blind, all those things that John mentions, or, or, or that are that Jesus told these men when John was having his doubts in prison. Why? I mean, the word doesn't say that, but that's that's what I get from it. That what am I doing here? I was only doing what's right to do. And we know that he was beheaded for that. John says, "Do we? Are you, are you the one that should come or do we look for another? And to me, it's it takes my breath away to think that John the Baptist, who was filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb, so that when Mary had only conceived seed a couple of days possibly before that we see that John leapt in his mother's womb for joy at being in the presence of Jesus and then when he was 33 years old he says are you the one that should come or do we look for another that's the nature of man we don't hold it against John Jesus tells these two men, go back and tell John of all the things that have been done. The deaf hear and the lame walk and the blind receive their sight and, and those things. And he says the gospel is preached to the poor. The poor and the contrite have the gospel message preached to them. You can believe all things forgiven. You can believe all your doubts, your misunderstandings forgiven in this, in this name. This name of Jesus who has conquered all that is wrong, all wrongdoing. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we receive the benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make His face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.